Hey everybody, welcome back to To The Point. Hope you guys are all doing well on this rainy Thursday. Today we got a big show coming on your way. Uh, Matt Wright was supposed to join the show yesterday. He got caught up with things. So we were pushing back a day, but he's going to be live with us this afternoon. So Matt Wright will be stopping in as he and I preview the AFC and NFC championship games, go over the betting lines for those games. Also want to get his thoughts on Bill O'Brien being named the new offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, the Aaron Rodgers saga, and what's going on there with Green Bay, Tom Brady, his guy Danny Dimes, some other hires, no head coaching hires yet, which is a bit weird for me. Get into that with, with Matt Wright as well. I also want to talk to him. He's a big Rangers fan. His Rangers lost to the Leafs last night in dramatic fashion. So just want to get his thoughts on a number of different things around the sports world. Got some questions for him too, but just from a coaching perspective as he's head coach at Champions Hockey, does a great job there uh, building that program. So always great to have Ryder on the show. He will be He will be by shortly in about – 45 to 50 minutes. Hopefully that's uh, the timeline there. But to start off before he joins, you know, there's just certain players that you watch and you want to like them. You want to be with everybody else when they have an opinion about somebody. Sometimes you want to see, you see it and you're like, well, yeah, I wish I agree with everybody else. Or, for instance, for me, I'm a picky eater. I'm a lot better than I used to be, but I'm still a picky eater. I hate chicken wings. I hate fish. I won't eat, uh, you know, just kind of crap like that. I eat uh, well-done steak. I have weird food tastes. I'm just, it's just, it's strange. I wish I was like everybody else, but I'm not. I wish I loved Artemi Panarin as much as the media and most people in fantasy hockey do, but I don't. And when you eliminate the numbers, when you eliminate, you know, thinking of points and statistics and things of that nature, you realize that Artemi Panarin is nothing more than a stat patter. And ultimately, I, I refer to him as a team killer and Mr. Perimeter. And if you don't know what I'm referring to, last night there was a game at the Scotiabank Arena between the New York Rangers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was a pretty interesting game. Both goaltenders played extremely well for the respective teams, both Russian goaltenders, Igor Shesterkin and Ilya Samsonov for the Toronto Maple Leafs. A back-and-forth affair. And ultimately, the Toronto Maple Leafs prevail in overtime, a rare overtime victory for the Maple Leafs. Should happen all the time, but it was rare. The game had interesting moments. I have some thoughts I'll get to on the New York Rangers and just what I think of them as a team. Really disappointed them, quite frankly. But you're in overtime. It's three on three. And on three-on-three, three, if you don't know your defensive assignment, then you really don't know hockey and you don't know team. You don't know how to, how to play in a system. You, you will never understand systems. If you don't know who what is your defensive responsibility on a three-on-three, because three, guess what? There's only three opponents. And guess what? Who you line up next to, that's your assignment. You keep that person. You have him for the entire time. 
So what happens on this goal? Mitch Marner's got the puck at the blue line. He's weaving through people, and Artemi Panarin has him. Because Artemi Panarin's a winger, and so is Mitch Marner, both right wingers. And Artemi Panarin just waves his stick out, uh, you know, a fake attempt, a, a fake attempt to to care about defensive responsibilities, a fake attempt to care about his team in that moment. And he scurries by him. Keandre Miller's protecting his man, tries to come over and play some help defense, NBA style. Not there in time. Mitch Marner pokes it in the backhand, and before you know it, the game's over. 19 seconds in overtime. Now, the least beating the New York Rangers is not a big headline. The Toronto Maple Leafs are a better team than the New York Rangers. But to me, you see certain things, and it just will never leave your mind. I watched that playoffs last year, and the Rangers won two rounds, and that's all well and good, but guess what? You need to win four. And the New York Rangers have one goal, and that's to win a Stanley Cup. It's not to win two rounds. It's not to get to seven games in the conference final. It's to get better. They've gotten worse this season. They've scratched Alexi Lafreniere. They had to trade Ryan Reeves. There was rumors they're going to fire their head coach. It's been complete turmoil and a really averaged pedestrian season for the Rangers. And you expected them to. Chris Kreider, who had 18 power play goals last year, is having a down year that's bound to happen. You have Mika Zibanejad, who I still think is the number one center and is the best player on the team, isn't as dominant as he was the year before. Adam Fox pushes back a little bit. It's going to happen. On And Igor Shosturkin isn't stopping 93% of the shots he faces. That was never going to happen either. So regression was in order. When your quote-unquote best player is Artemi Panarin, who could give two ounces of fuck about defending, could give two ounces of care about wanting to win, about giving an effort to win, other than making a cross-court pass, other than seeing somebody far side to, to shoot it, to make a pass in the offensive zone, Anything other than scoring opportunities, this guy is not going to work. This guy is not going to care, and he's a selfish team killer. He is not going to be on a winning team. He is not part of a winning culture because he's asked to do too much, and he delivers so little. There is a You don't have to be a 200-foot player. Because Mitch Marner isn't a 200-foot player, but he's a hell of a lot better of a, of a defensive player than, than Artemi Panarin. They're compared. They're not comparable. Mitch Marner is 10 times the player Artemi Panarin is. David Pashenak's a better winger. I'll take Bill Nylander over Panarin. I'll take half the fucking league over Artemi Panarin. Because of that play alone, it's selfish, it's arrogant, and it's out of. it comes from a sense of entitlement. A sense of, I'm better than this. I don't need to do this. I'm not going to stoop down to Barkley Goodrow's territory enough to defend. Oh, God forbid. The New York Rangers haven't won since 1994. But I, what I will say about the Rangers through that time, they've had people that cared. Their best players cared. Chris Kreider cared. Brad Richards would block a shot. They they go into the corner. They Ryan McDonough was a great captain. You know why? Because he did everything he possibly could to win. Ultimately, it didn't work out. In New York. He won in Tampa. Why? Because he's got the intangible. He's got the heart. He's got the fight. The heart. The fight of a lion. The Rangers have a few of these guys. 
But when you're best forward, air quotes, when you're best player, which you ask 90% of journalists, you ask 90% of people that cover the game, they'll tell you the New York Rangers' best players are Timmy Panarin. You're not going anywhere. You're going nowhere fast. You're in fucking quicksand. I remember when they signed him. And it was such a home run. It was going to work. It's got such a great proposition. No. This is the clear example of when somebody tells me, well, he's great in fantasy. I hate I hate the player. I hate the player. I don't want a good fantasy. I could give a shit about what a guy does in fantasy. Great. Just because you score points doesn't mean you're going to be a great player. There's so many players that have scored a ton of shit ton of points. to get to the playoffs. They're fucking pedestrian. They go away. They're nothing. You know why? Because they don't got any fucking heart. Our Timmy Panarin isn't going to go in the corner and have to take a hit. Why? Because he's, he's afraid to. That would take some heart. That would take some some ability, the, the wherewithal to get in that corner. He won't do that. Our Timmy Panarin's a problem for the Rangers, not a solution. That contract's huge. And it's it's so funny because he's in New York, a big media market. There's a lot of other things. The Jets get more coverage. The Giants get more coverage. The Yankees get more coverage as Aaron Judge is named the captain of the Yankees. Who cares? And yet the New York Rangers sit here with a better chance of winning a championship than those three franchises combined, and you don't hear a peep. You don't hear a peep about our Timmy Panarin. You don't hear a peep about what this team has done all year. You don't hear anything about the fact that their special teams are morally abhorrent. I haven't seen a Ranger game in a while, clearly. Because that power play and penalty kill combination last night was so offensive. That's my word. It's offensive to watch. Matthews had two slot shots last night, five feet away from the net. They were both on the power play. You know why? He was alone. No defense. They had two defense going the corner on the penalty kill. This is basic stuff. They teach this in Adam. No two, no two defensemen are going in the same corner. They did it last night. Two defensemen. At the same time. Two slot shots, thank God for Shesterkin and the crossbar. It's just, it was, I wrote in my notes, puke. That's what I thought when I saw that last night. Just their, their penalty kill structure. And this is where you get to the Rangers and why I don't think they're going to win anything. I predicted them to win the cup, and I thought they'd find something. But I have to look in the mirror and think, Noah, why would you think that? When Gerard Gallant, who is a better motivator than he is, a, he's, he's a great coach in the sense that he can motivate anybody. Very nice guy. His his uh, his players like him a lot. But when it comes to X's and O's, when it comes to systems, when it comes to accountability and playing the right way, 
It's not there. You don't hear anything about the power play, about the penalty kill structure. This team doesn't play with any structure. They don't play with any wherewithal for the position in the game and, and the way that they approach it. That's why his teams never win. Think about his first year in Vegas. It went great. Then it didn't. Then they lost in the first round. Then he got fired midway through the next season. Why? Because the team played with no, no structure, no systems, no plan. Their power play. There's no traffic in front of the net. They're not looking to Mika, to Mika Zibanejad for the one-timer. This is the time where Artemi Panarin would shine. He doesn't even look for the puck. He didn't have a pulse last night. But there's no there's There's 17th in the NHL on the power play. That is so, they should be in the top 10. They should be in the top 10. Like Ottawa's got some really skilled players, but there's no way Ottawa should have a better power play than the Rangers. I'm sorry, they shouldn't. With Fox and Panarin and Kreider and Zabinijad, Trocek, Keandre Miller. you got two units that can really make things happen. And no, no plan, no sense of urgency, no hope. Now, with all that being said, the Rangers are going to make the playoffs in all likelihood. Whether they deserve it or not, it's a whole other story. they got the second-best goaltender in the world. they got a great player in Zibinijad. Chris Kreider is still a very good player, and he's the heart and soul of the team. Panarin will still put up points, much to my chagrin. Adam Fox still a very good player. And then you got Keandre Miller, who I always thought would be in a in a trade for a big piece, whether it be Patrick Kane, whether it be Timo Meyer. I thought he would be sent back. Well, there's no way in hell I'm trading Keandre Miller now. The kid has absolutely found his game. He gets better year after year. And I'm, I love the way he's playing this season. He played great last night, in my opinion. He's a physical guy. He will jump into the play offensively. He reads the plays extremely well. Keandre Miller's a stud. The Rangers are going to have a stud defenseman for a long time, and by the end of it, people, he might be a better defenseman than Adam Fox. Because Adam Fox is very skilled, but he's limited. When it comes to playing the defense position, he's a, he's limited at that skill. Keandre Miller's got the size, he's got the edge, he's got the bite. And he does have, have offensive prowess when he wants to use it. That combination is lethal. The combination can be so important to a team in their success. But I'll tell you, the Rangers didn't spark a whole lot of confidence in me last night. I don't love their team. Their best line last night was the kid line. They should play together every night. Kako, Lafreniere, and Philip Hedl were was the team's best line last night. And 
to me, Kako has always kind of, he's never going to be a top six player in my opinion, but I like him. I like his game. I think he, he plays fundamentally well. He doesn't give up on pucks. He's got a, a high motor, a great work ethic. That's something that will translate that you can turn into a game for 10 to 15 year career. Doesn't mean you'll be a superstar, but maybe you're Chris Draper. Maybe you're a guy that's got a little bite when you need to. You can, you'll finish your checks. You won't give up on the play. I view Capo Caco as a Chris Draper, a Sean Horkoff, a Gary Roberts with less skill. You know, just a, ten, a tenacious forward that will not give up in his own zone, will not give up on pucks, will continue to fight, to frisk. And he can still make plays when he gets the puck. But you have him with Heedle and his finish. And Lafreniere, to me, is the weakest link of the line. But when he wants to be physical, when he wants to get involved and get in the action, he can. So that line needs to stay together. But the Rangers still need a piece up front. And they could really use another defenseman, too. And as I've talked about here, it's going to be tough to do at the trade deadline. I don't know how many moves are going to be out there. I don't know how many things are going to happen. Who's going to get moved? Is there going to be enough cap space? This, that, and the other. I don't know. I think San Jose. San Jose is looking in the mirror and they see Timo Meyer staring back at them. And there's no way that you'd want to trade a Timo Meyer because Timo Meyer is an excellent player. He's got 28 goals and he plays out West. He's not talked about, but he's a stud. And any team would love a Timo Meyer, and the second the Sharks lose him, they'll be looking to replace him. But I also think a team like the Sharks look in the mirror and say, holy crap, we got Carlson's contract that we probably won't be able to move. We have Mark, Mark Edward Vlasic's contract that I know we won't be able to move. Logan Couture, I don't know if we can move that. Some other bad deals. And before you know it, you're like, well, to get some assets – to get some money off the books and not have to dish out another $10 million contract, let's trade Timu Meyer. I think New York Rangers would be a fit. Now, do you have the prospects? Do you have the, the picks to make it happen? That remains to be seen. You have Braden Schneider, who's playing NHL games right now. You have Vitaly Kraftsoff, a team might be looking to take a chance on him. To me, he's been a bust. He's been a bust so far in his NHL career, but maybe he shines with another team. Who knows? Gets more opportunities in San Jose than he would in New York. But Timu Meyer, to me, will be dealt. It's just where. I think we might see a metropolitan bidding war. Carolina. They might trade for him. They won't sign him because it'll be too much money. But they could use him. New York, the New York Rangers, even the New Jersey Devils. I could see them being aggressive. They're in a position where they should be competing for the Stanley Cup. Yes, they're small, but if they can get bigger, Timo Meyer does, does have some bite to him. He's a bigger winger. He's not afraid to mix it up. That could be a valuable asset to the team, and they could re-sign him, quite frankly. But the, the Rangers, they just – 
it's going to be very hard for them to win anything this season with the way they play. With the structure of their game, the nonchalance, the no authority to it, no changes ever being made, their shitty special teams. Maybe they can overcome it. They got to a conference final last year, but they didn't win that series. They were up 3-2. The goaltender is the X factor. Absolutely. But leaving last night, it's pretty clear to me that the Toronto Maple Leafs are a better hockey team than the New York Rangers. And the score reflected that. Now, for the, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, what, what was impressive to me last night is that they won the game, and I thought their top line was pretty careless. I thought Matthews and Marner weren't very secure with the puck. They were a little loosey-goosey last night. Didn't exactly play great until the overtime, quite frankly. Five on five, the real hockey, I thought they were pedestrian. I don't think they created a, a lot of high-volume scoring chances. They kind of floated the whole game. And that's why I don't really like these two together because I think they both can bring out the worst in each other or the best of each other. But in this case, last night, I thought it was the worst in one another where it just really wasn't a high intense effort from either one of them. But Marner ends up scoring the, the overtime winner. But for me, it was it was a night where two guys stood out. And the first one is Timothy Lilligren. I've been pumping his tires for some time now, the Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman. I like him a lot. To me, he's – if you're going to make a move for a defenseman at the trade deadline, there is not a chance in hell he's coming out of the lineup. No chance. He is – with TJ Brody idle right now because of his injury – Timothy Lilligren is the most consistent Maple Leaf defenseman. More than Morgan Riley, because Morgan Riley is erratic as erratic AF, if you will, with the puck. He doesn't always make the right decision. He makes careless mistakes. And in his own zone, it's a whole other story. Lilligren makes a great first pass. He protects the puck very well. And he knows when to jump into the play. Last night, Lilligren gets the tying goal and he gets an assist on the game winner. That's not lost on me. He's not going to be, he doesn't have the offensive upside of Rasmus Sandin, but he's a better defenseman than Rasmus Sandin. Sandin's got the flair. He'll keep the puck. He should be on the top power play unit if you're going to play him. I don't, still don't get why he's not on it. But he's. He's smaller. I find he can hold on to the puck a little too long. He tries to make a fancier play. Then sometimes it just get the puck out of your zone, a.k.a. Lilligren, make the better play. Both guys have played well this season, but Lilligren to me is above Sandine in the power rankings of importance. When it comes to defensemen, if I had to sit somebody, Sandine's in the press box. Lilligren's playing. And he can play a top four role. I believe. He's just, he's really, really confident. You see it. And kudos to to him and to the lease management because he was in the Mar he was playing for the Marlies for a long time. And you never thought this guy was going to get to the NHL. 
and it was forever and ever and ever, and now he's here. So I think this just serves as a reminder to, to everybody, including myself, that development is different for everybody. Just because you want a player to be ready or you want a player to be inserted into the lineup doesn't mean it's the right time for the player. Doesn't mean it's going to be the optimal time. Bobby McMahon is 26. He's getting his first crack at the NHL with the lease right now. I like him personally. I think he's a good bottom six forward. I continue to play him. Certainly over Dryden Hunt and or Zach Aston Reese. You go through it. Everybody has a Kurt Warner didn't start playing till his mid 20s. Steve Young didn't get his first NFL start till he's 27 years old. Development is different for everybody. Some people go to college for four years, then they come out and they go somewhere. You get certain opportunities. You're in the minors, you're in the East Coast League, and eventually you find your way to the NHL. It's just different for everybody. And credit to Lilligren, who battled through the Marlies, who played a, a lot of hockey down there, and eventually found success. Eventually was able to find it and turn it into a great role on this team and a guy that's going to be asked to play top four minutes, I believe, come playoff time. Which is a lot of responsibility and a big, a big, a big opportunity, a big uh, question mark, quite frankly. A big spotlight on him. You know, the lily pad is is a must-have for me. It's non-negotiable that he is he is playing for the Leafs. The second one for me again, Ilya Samsonov is locked in right now. He doesn't lose on home ice for the Maple Leafs. But something I've noticed just the past two games, he's starting to play the puck, and it's directly led to two goals. He made the pass up the ice to Nylander, then Nylander tipped it, and it created a scoring chance. It ultimately led to the Tavares goal. Last night, he starts it, gets an exit zone, it's, and it led to the first goal of the game by Pontus Holmberg for the Maple Leafs. That, that pass... To the, the man on the boards. Then you go up the ice, one more pass. He doesn't get an assist on the goal, he, but he started the play. This is where the plus-minus people, this is the play that matters. Did you add an effect on the play? The guy that the fifth guy in that play that was in the corner that got a plus but didn't do anything re relating to the play, that's where the stat is completely irrelevant because he didn't do anything. He didn't do jack shit to earn that plus. He was in the right place at the right time. Samsonov, to get a a plus on that play, it's absolutely earned because the defenseman didn't have to go all the way to the corner. He stopped along the hash warts, had a stick on the ice. Samson off, tape the tape, tape the tape, up the boards again, middle of the ice, backhander in the back of the net before people could get sit their asses on the seats with their bucket of popcorn. If he can move the puck, if he can have an effect that way where he makes life easier on his defenseman, where he can lead to scoring opportunities, that will also give him an edge over Matt Murray because I don't think Matt Murray's great at playing the buck. So you have a guy that plays extremely well. He can, he can move the puck a bit. You'll take that every day of the week. Every day of the week, you will take that from Ilya Samsonov. 
This goalie competition is far from over. But he's having a great run here. He's having a really good run. I expect Matt Murray to start tomorrow. Just because he's playing his former team. Then you go back to Samsonov on Sunday. He'll play his former team in Washington. Maybe they'll do something different, but that's just what I expect right now. But the, you know, the cruel thing is for a team like the Maple Leafs, you've beaten the Rangers, you've had a great stretch of games, you have a home stand, you feel great about yourself. And through all of it, you're 12 points back of the Boston Bruins and they have two games in hand on you. That's how cruel this division is this season. That's how cruel it is to be playing alongside Boston because you are so great. You were so fantastic. You'll likely be the second best team in the NHL by the end of the year when it comes to point percentage. But you're so far behind of the team that you're chasing. You're in the Daytona 500, but you are nine laps behind the winger, behind the winner. And you feel like you've ran a really good race, but little do you know, just the guy in front of you is, is you know, incredible. The guy in front of you is Christian Bale from Ford vs. Ferrari. If you haven't seen that movie, see it. Speaking of movies, you know, I I get into the Oscars. I know I talked about this with Seamus on Tuesday. I like to see the movies that are nominated. I like to to watch them and really dissect them. I mentioned the Banshees of Anna Sharon. If you haven't seen it, see it. It's on Amazon Prime. You can buy it for rent it for four bucks, something like that. Worth the four dollars, I'll tell you that. Everything all together, all at once. Another extremely good film. You also can get watch that on Amazon Prime for about four dollars. A really good buy. But it was a weird year for movies because The Fablemans was nominated for that's a movie with Margaret Robbie and Brad Pitt and Tobey Maguire. wasn't a very good movie. Really long. Kind of drawn out. You know, I do think Margot Robbie was very good in the movie. She's one of the best actresses in the world, quite frankly. She wasn't nominated in any kind of category for, for female leads, which, you know, is surprising. But, I mean, you see Top Gun Maverick get nominated. You see some of these movies that have no business being nominated for anything, and they did. Movies still hold a, you know, such an important piece of my life, but the, the world is shifting to a television series world. I mean, there's so many good television series right now going. You know, I, I track everything that I watch. I write down every year the content that I consume so I know and I can kind of tell people what I watch and what not to watch and what, and, and what you should be watching. Coming up on the docket for me, I have not seen White Lotus Season 2 yet. I'm going to watch it. Season 1 was phenomenal. Can't wait to watch Season 2. That's coming up. I need to watch Succession. Haven't watched Succession yet. Haven't watched an episode of Succession. I've only heard good things. Got to get over to Crave. Been spending a lot of time on Amazon Prime. Excited to watch Succession. 
there's a, the final se- season of Barry is coming out this year. Can't wait to watch that. If you haven't seen Barry, watch it. Bill Hader, Henry Winkler, the Fonz. One of the best dark comedies I've ever seen. Really, really interesting, Barry. One of the best acted shows on TV as well. Anthony Kerrigan's fantastic. I think I'm going to watch Your Honor, Season 2 with Brian Cranston. Season 1 wasn't that great, to be fair. But I love Brian Cranston. And he holds a special place in my heart. And I'll always watch his shows. Why? Because he gave us Breaking Bad. He'll always be Walter White. So there's so much good content. And I'm, I'm breaking off to talk about television series here because because they're great. It's like sports. You find you find your your people that you like, and and you gravitate to them. It's an escape. It's you know it's everything. Artemi Panarin is like James Cameron to me. He produces a lot of stuff, but it's not very good. It's not a winning formula. Avatar, Titanic. Okay, that's like getting 18 points in three rounds. How impactful were those 18 points? Not really all that much. For me, my my superstar, my Connor McDavid. I mean, to me, the best actor in the world, it's a difficult question. It, it's hard to say it's not Christian Bale. I don't know if Christian Bale's ever been in a bad film. He's one of the best actors in the world. Just watched him in A Pale Blue Eye, very interesting movie about Edgar Allan Poe, the short story writer, wrote many things like The Raven. But you can make metaphors to anything. And that's something I've always loved is different content like movies, like TV shows and sports. And it's consuming a lot and you're on your screen a hell of a lot. So you're probably, your eyes aren't getting any better. Your ears aren't probably getting any that better as you crank the volume. But I always said, I didn't know if I I was born in the right decades. I would have liked the 80s. I find our our world now is really, uh, it's hard to live in sometimes with the way people act and the stupidity and the, the government and the way people push their agendas in certain ways. But I will, I will point this out that the television sports combination is superb. To think, I got to see the entirety of Breaking Bad. I got to watch the entire length of Sidney Crosby's career. I saw... I've wa- I watched Seinfeld. I was born in 1998. That was when the series ended. But I got to see Seinfeld. I got to consume it. Then I got to watch Curb Your Enthusiasm and really see the... The season where they referenced Seinfeld and how they went to make the show, which is beyond interesting that they did that there. You got to see, I got to see LeBron James have his entire career. I'm going to be able to see 
him pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who I did not get to see play, pass him for the most points all time, which I didn't think would happen ever. But, you know, I got to witness it. I think we're very fortunate where we get to, and I'm speaking for myself here, but it just has fans and, and just consumers where you can get ripped off a lot in life. You go to a store, you got to pay $15 for a thing of peanut butter. You go buy blueberries. It's like buying a, a kidney on Craigslist. It's that much money. But then you go on your streaming services and you're paying, you know, $100 a month for different streaming services, whatever it is, as you add them all up. They're well worth it. They're well worth it because you get to see great actors. You get to see really good producers, directors, create some really good content. Some great critical thinking. Creativity out the wazoo. Nothing is out of bounds. Just creative freedom to, to create some really awesome stuff. And the great thing about series and about sports is there's a debate. There's a conversation. You can... You can talk about movies, you can talk about TV series with people for hours on end. I do. I think about friendships, Seamus, who comes on here every week. Our basis of our friendship, a lot of it is, is on sports and TV, movies. We both love them. And it's an easy thing to talk about. He sends me content he's watching. I send him content that I'm watching. And we share ideas. He loves the Batman. I hated it. He might be a Panarin fan. I hate him. So there you go. There's a debate there. Maybe his Austin Matthews is uh, Don Draper from Mad Men. What is the Mad Men of sports? Which is another great show if you haven't seen it. Mad Men... Mad Men might be the San Francisco 49ers. No, no, because Brock, no, that's a bad analogy. I, I apologize, folks. Mad Men, I would say. Mad Men might be the Boston Bruins. Because you look at the Boston Bruins and you think, oh, I've seen this show before, handsome John Hamm, and he's doing his thing. He's smoking cigarettes. It's old school. It's designed in the 60s. I've seen this show, but then you get deeper, deeper, and you start watching season after season after season, everybody ages, and yet the show is still dynamite in season seven. The show is still incredibly captivating in the final, and as you go through it, the Boston Bruins are still great with Bergeron, with Marchand, as they head into the twilight of their careers, yet they still continue to, to point it out. And that was the same in Mad Men, where Elizabeth Moss is a star. You have John Hamm. You have uh, John uh, Clattery, who, who was in Next and also a great character on Mad Men. That's where my brain goes sometimes. It's just connecting TV series, connecting movies with sports and how they can blend together. Because my two favorite hobbies, and they have to. Just has to.
I'll get back to sports here in a second, but I just started Bosch Legacy. So far, so good. I'm an episode in. Watched the entire Bosch show in like three weeks. Loved every second of it. And now I'm starting Bosch Legacy. Ten episodes. Be done that by the end of the weekend, for sure. I just wanted to talk about the Oscar, Oscars and the movies that were nominated because... To me, there were some good ones and some movies that, quite frankly, had no business being there. Just like there's some teams that go deep in the playoffs, you're like, how the hell did they get here? Because they had no business being there. Maybe that's the San Francisco 49ers. Maybe Top Gun Maverick is the San Francisco 49ers or Brock Purdy at quarterback. Maybe I'll ask Matt Wright that when he joins us here soon enough. The New Jersey Devils are a team that have been interesting all year. They, they find ways to win. They edged out a win against the Vegas Golden Knights Tuesday evening. And prior to the season, I liked their roster a lot. But one of the biggest concerns I had was their goaltending, where they had Mackenzie Blackwood and they traded for, for Vitek Vanacek from the Washington Capitals. And – what a turn of events this has been because Vitek Vanacek has won eight straight starts. And in those eight straight starts, he has a 930 save percentage. The Washington Capitals gave up Vanacek and they gave up Ilya Samsonov for hardly anything. They got a draft pick for Vanacek, Samsonov. They did not give a qualifying offer. And both goalies have been superb and quite frankly, better than Darcy Kemper and Charlie Lindgren have been in Washington, although they haven't been bad themselves. But I just found this a surprising story, one you wouldn't think of, that Vanacek has been one of the most consistent goaltenders this entire season. He's given his team a chance to win every time he's in the net, and he's grabbed it and solidified, him, solidified himself as the number one goaltender for the Washington Capitals. Mackenzie Blackwood is the backup goaltender. Vanacek is the starter. And the New Jersey Devils are playing with a ton of confidence. Jack Hughes looks like a different player out there. He's not afraid to make a mistake. He's aggressive. He'll he'll make a creative plays with the puck. A contract that was given out that I question, I think the whole world question, Dougie Hamilton has been a rock star for the New Jersey Devils. He's played back-to-back games, and he's gotten the OT winner in both games. He is a number one defenseman. He chews up minutes. He still skates extremely well. And whether he's weird because he visits museums or not, he's been delivering the goods for the for the New Jersey Devils. To think they gave him out that contract, and I still thought this doesn't make any sense for him, but this team has turned it around. Andre Palat's returning from injury. Jesper Bratt is still on this team. Ryan Graves serves his purpose as the as he's come over from from uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Dawson Mercer. They need size, and I, I don't know if they'll be a great playoff team. But, I mean, if you look at it right now, they would play the New York Rangers in the first round. The way the Rangers play fundamentally, the way their systems are set up, the Devils could absolutely beat the Rangers if they played. I don't think the Devils can beat Carolina in a best of seven because I think Carolina would wear them down. 
And Carolina hasn't played the greatest of hockey lately either. And the Metro's a complete a jumble where Pittsburgh wins the other night 7-6 and their goaltending, Jari's constantly hurt. DeSmith can't make a save to save his life, yet they win that game because Alex Lyon is in net for the Florida Panthers. So Pittsburgh is completely out there. they got a lot of firepower. Their defense is lacking depth or really a, a top four that you can trust, which a lot of teams are around the league. Washington. Washington's to be an, an eighth right now to me is a, a great sign for Washington because of the injuries they've had. They didn't have had Backstrom and Wilson for the first half of the season. They're just starting to get them both into the lineup. Alex Ovechkin's. Great as always. They're also missing John Carlson, their number one defenseman. So the Metro is complete up in the air. And for New Jersey to just find that stability, to find a guy in net that they trust, to have Lindy Ruff behind the bench and serve as a great head coach, have Jack Hughes emerge as a star, maybe blossoming into a superstar this season, is job well done. The Devils feel like a team that is – they feel like the early – the Leafs teams where they're they're going to make the playoffs this year, and that's a big success, and we'll, they'll see what they can do in the playoffs. But with their goaltending the way it's gone and the way that they can score with other teams and the, their clutch in the key moments, I don't like their chances of winning a playoff series, but I would not rule it out. Because you give them the right opponent, they can absolutely. If they can find a way to win this division and they get Washington in the first round, they can beat the Washington Capitals. They can beat the Washington Capitals because they're faster than Washington. And to me, they, they just got more firepower up front than Washington does. And if Carlson's not healthy, Dougie Hamilton is by far, head and shoulders, the best defenseman in the series. And if you go through it, I think New Jersey's got a couple of the best defensemen in the series before you get to a Washington defender. In particular, if Eric Gustafson's on the team. But I'm liking New Jersey's chances. In that game, they played the Vegas Golden Knights. And prior to the game Tuesday night, Butch Cassidy, a.k.a. Bruce Cassidy, called out Jack Eichel. Saying he was not playing with the same kind of tenacity, he was not playing with the same kind of jump. And that he wasn't seeing the fervor. He wasn't seeing the, the energy that he had earlier in the year. And I watched that game because I wanted to see how Jack Eichel played. And he played awful again on Tuesday night. And good on Bruce Cassidy for being honest and just bringing that to the media's attention because it's the truth. Jack Eichel was nowhere to be seen in this game. He was on the outside and I expect him to be better in the first game since hearing those comments. And just quite frankly, he was not. Jack Eichel is uber talented. He could be a top 10 player in this league. But he's not. Because I, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think he's immature. I think Eichel gets inspired, he plays extremely hard for a while, but then he forgets about it. He, he might go and think about partying, he might think about women, whatever it might be. But his mind goes somewhere else other than hockey. 
And then he comes back and he thinks, well, I've been, my head's been gone for a while, but before my head left my body, so to speak, I was having all kinds of success. So I don't need, I don't need to try that hard. Being a superstar, being a great player is a hundred hundred percent commitment. There's not many games where you're not noticeable. It's tough to be a superstar in the league now to go six games without a point. That's what Jack Eichel's streak is currently on. But you, you're a player like Eichel, who's not about getting to the trenches, who's not about being that fervor, having any kind of physical game. Your games where you're not getting points look worse and worse because you're not doing anything to help the team. You're not throwing a late check. You're not, you're not involved. You're not hustling back on defense. Because his back check is, is irrelevant. So you're, you're not helping the team in the other end of the ice. You're not doing anything for your teammates in particular. It's just you, a one-man show, and you're gliding around and letting other people control the game. Vegas has been passed in the Pacific Division by the Seattle Kraken after the Kraken beat the Vancouver Canucks last night 6-1. to one. The Kraken have games in hand, and now they have the upper hand on the Vegas Golden Knights. And quite frankly, the LA Kings are a better team than the Vegas Golden Knights lately. The LA Kings are starting to find their game. They played a lot of games earlier in the season. They had injuries. They had to send Calvin Peterson, the Myers. Phoenix Copley has been a godsend for them in between the pipes. But Kevin Fiala starting to score goals. Anze Kopitar starting to find his game. Quinton Byfield, I watched them the other night as well. He's starting to find it a little bit. He looks more and more confident. He's a big body out there. He's got to use that. And I think playing alongside Andre Kopitar will only help because Andre Kopitar is like Byfield, just an older version. Where Kopitar's big, he can move well, and he uses his size effectively. I think Byfield, you want him to be defensively sound, and you're playing with one of the best defensive centers in recent memory future Hall of Famer. But see, I I talked from the beginning. I thought Seattle would be a good team. They are a good team. LA, I thought would be a good team. They are a good team. I think they're as good or better than Vegas. And now you have Vegas. Well, the best thing Vegas can say is we have better players than the other two teams, which are true. Jack Eichel is better than any player in either of those two teams. Point blank. Doughty, maybe. But I think Jack Eichel, you can put him up against any member of the Kraken, any member of the Los Angeles Kings, and say, I'm better than you. But it doesn't mean anything if you're not winning. Yes, on paper, you're the better player. Yes, on paper, Alex Petrangelo is better than any defenseman on either of those two respective teams, too. Shows Shea Theodore. But when you're not winning, and it's not your goaltending's fault because you're losing games 2-1, 3-2, you're not scoring any goals. Riley Smith's dried up. William Carlson's dried up. And guess what? You're not going to be able to improve your team that much because you have no cap space. You're stuck. So it's on him to dig them out. It's on him to be a spark plug and not to be the, the generator that runs out of gas. You need to find it. You need to get the propane, put it in the stove, light it up, get that fucking house going. Don't sit there in the dark. That's what Vegas is. Vegas is a city that's always alive. Jack Eichel's game is gone is 
It's like a roulette table. You're either hitting and people are celebrating or it's dead quiet because you just landed on black and you're on red. And you're gone bankrupt and you're sitting there wondering about your next mortgage payment as your wife lays at home laying, going to bed. Dark image I get, but that's Vegas, baby. So I see we got Ryder on the line. I'm going to ask him about this. Um, first off, uh, Ryder, good to see you. Um, I'm going to say this to start. I know it's not today, but I won't be talking to you live. I know you got a birthday coming up. So uh, happy, happy early birthday uh, to you. Uh, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Uh, the big 2-9. Uh, <laughs> getting old over here, man. It, uh, <laughs> it's it's 30s closing in here soon, but uh, no, I appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to actually, we were supposed to be in Montreal this weekend with our with our team, and unfortunately, that tournament got canceled just with the weather. And Quebec's getting hit real hard this weekend, so uh, right. we're, we're staying home. But uh, a little bit of a blessing in disguise at the same time because able to spend some time uh, spend some time with my girlfriend, spend some time with some buddies, and also watch some football on Sunday. So, uh, right. so a uh, little weekend off once in a while never hurt. I want to start off, I, I mentioned to you, I want to ask you some coaching questions because I, I find it fascinating talking to you about that. I watched Jack Eichel, writer, and he's such a skilled player, as you know, and I just see a guy with a, a low motor. It can. He's, I said he's, he's, like a, he's like the roulette table. When you're hitting, everybody's excited, and when, you, when you're, you're on red and it rolls black, everybody's quiet and, and it goes away, the excitement. And kind of Bruce Cassidy called him out the other day saying he wasn't playing hard enough. When, when you have a player that's mostly a skill-based player, how do you go about motivating him to find his game again uh, from a coaching perspective? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think on Jack Eichel, the one time I played against him, you can ask Sawyer about playing him down in BU. He, he, yeah. he kind of shelled us for, I think, seven points. So he seemed to have it that night. <laughs> um, but it, it is, it's, it's tough. It's challenging as a coach because, you know, if you push too hard, you're going to lose, you lose the player totally. And some players are more motivated than others. That's just a fact. Some players have more energy. Some players go are always on, no matter whether they're having a bad game, whether they're having a good game, whether they're having an average game, you know what you're going to get out of them for work ethic. Some players are very skilled and, you know what buttons you can push and what buttons you can't. The frustrating thing for a coach is when you have one of those players who, you know, you see the ceiling, but then you're getting the basement sometimes. And right. you don't need the ceiling the whole time, but you also can't have the basement. If that makes you need somewhere in between, like you can't right. always be a 10. The, what we say to our players is you don't have to always be a 10, but you can't be a three. You have to be a seven or an eight. Because we'll take the seven or eight. We don't need the 10 every night, but we can't have the two or three effort. We need the seven or eight. You, you're never going to always be a 10. That's unrealistic. You're never always going to have your best game. But you can't be a three. You have to be somewhere at a seven or an eight. You have to be at least, if you're not scoring, you have to be giving something else. You have to be blocking shots. You have to be committing to the little things. And I think that when a skilled player buys into the little things, Everyone else in the room sees that. Okay, yeah, no, maybe he's not scoring every night, but you know what? He's blocking shots. He's getting pucks out. He's doing the things that the rest of us are doing as well. Right. The way, the way to lose a room is when your top players 
aren't scoring, but also not doing the little things. So you need your top players, whether or not they're scoring, they have to be doing everything else. And the easiest thing in sports is to give an effort, right? Mm. It just give an effort. So I think Bruce Cassidy's trying to light a fire under him and it's a great time to do it because there's still a large chunk of the season left, right? There's no point in trying to do this in another 15, 20 games where you get closer to the playoffs. Now's the time to do it. Maybe fire, you know, light a fire under his ass and he can get on a little bit of a run because he know we know he can be a very, very top player in this league. He can be a top 10 guy, right? Yeah. So sometimes as a coach, you have to push that, those buttons. It's uncomfortable. And sometimes you're not, you know, making the best of friends in the room, but right now it's a situation with Eichel where, you know, maybe he needs to hear that at the same time. We've seen kind of a shift from when we were kind of growing up with hockey, where, Penalty killers were people that played third, fourth line, you know, that blocked shots, and it wasn't a lot of skilled players. Now you see, you know, a Chris Kreider, a Mitch Marner on the penalty kill. Do you think that's something that could spark Jack Eichel's game? I know it doesn't scream Jack Eichel, but you know, it doesn't scream Mitch Marner either to play penalty kill. But it's something I think he does very well. Or is that something that you've incorporated in, in your coaching style with with your best players? Yeah, our top our top players kill penalties. Um, we have, we have a couple guys that don't play power play that have become more PK specialists that we get them out there every PK, but right. then we follow it up with our top two guys right after that. And if you're a top player, what everyone loves is ice time. Um, mm -hmm. one thing I, when I was going through, I love playing penalty kill because it's an, it's more time on the ice Me and too. kids yeah. love being on the ice. I, I don't understand when people don't want to play PK because that's less ice time. So if you want to, if you are a really good player, you should want to be out there on the PK because especially on the PK, when you get the puck, sometimes there are opportunities to, yep. to create offense that with, uh, with the five on five, that isn't there. Cause, because on a power play, you normally see guys dripping down too low. You see a little bit more movement. There's opportunities to create breakaways, two on ones that sometimes you don't get on five on five. So yeah, our top two forwards, uh, they, they, I wouldn't say they PK every PK, but they are definitely in our PK mix for sure. Yeah. I mean, you see Sebastian Ajo in Carolina and he's awesome at it. You know, he's out there all the time and he's getting ice time. I also want to ask you about Carolina. Frederick Anderson got injured again last night and I feel for him somewhat, but I'm also a cynic about him because I always see him get injured in your coaching you know, experience. Have you seen a player just kind of have it in his brain that he's always injured and he can't get rid of it? Or do you think that exists in, in sports? hundred percent exists. hundred uh, percent. I mean, a lot of it too is bad luck. You know, right. a, lot of it, a lot of it is luck. I, you know, I played with players luck. Luckily enough, I didn't get hurt too much. And it's funny cause I'm a smaller guy. I, I should have been hurt more than I was, but I've played with guys who, who were hurt all the time. And it seemed like every little thing they were hurt, and some of it's bad luck and others, I think it's that placebo effect where it's in their head a little bit where, where they feel that they're going to go out and get hurt. So then they end up getting hurt, right? right? Be afraid of, oh, um, you know, I'm just getting back for injury. Maybe I have to take it a little, be a little bit precautious out there. Maybe I have to, you know, it definitely does get in people's heads. Uh, I played with a, a guy in, in U18 where great player, you know, ended up playing in the queue for years and it was a great player, but he was just seemed to always be banged up. And I think some of it was bad luck. And honestly, I think some of it was in his head as well. And you see that, that, that Freddie Anderson, that's one where 
I don't, I think it may be a little bit of both. I, I mean, I, it's hard to say I'm no doctor here, but it seems like he is getting hurt at a, at a seems to be all the time really. And it's mm -hmm. unfortunate because he is a great goalie when he's healthy and, and that's a piece for Carolina that they're definitely going to miss. Um, same with Pacioretty. He's really had a tough yeah. year, um, but it definitely can get in players' minds. And I think sometimes players play with the thought of not getting hurt instead of just going out and playing. What did you make of your Rangers last night in the game against the Leafs? Uh, I, I think you touched on it uh, defensively. I, I don't think they were great. Um, I think they were really poor. They're, like Their systems weren't great. I think the kid line together was their best line. Uh, I thought Kapo Paco had an awesome game. Um, he was uh, – that whole line, uh, when they, that kid line gets going, I know they're not really kids anymore. They still are. They've been in the league a few years. Yeah. But if they can find that line together moving towards the end of the year, get Lafreniere seems to be going a little bit more after that healthy scratch, seemed to light a fire under his hat, under his ass. Uh, Heedle seems to be playing much better. That line was their best line. Like you said, sometimes their top players are – It'd be frustrating sometimes to be behind their bench with the way that they they play. Um, and it it showed in the playoffs last year that they didn't play hard enough. You know, just strictly hard nosed hockey, um, mm -hmm. defensive zone coverage hockey. Um, they like to run and gun. The Rangers are yeah. a running team. That's the way they like to play. Is it exciting to watch? Yes. Is it a little frustrating as a coach sometimes? Absolutely. I think they can reel it in. I think one thing you do, you can play a little loosey goosey sometimes when you do have a goalie that you know is going to make the save. Sometimes when you know that your guy's just a little bit better than the other guy down there, you can go chance for chance. I don't like going chance for chance as a coach. I find it, it it's too loose. I, I don't like coaching that way, but the Rangers have had success that, that way. But last year they got away with it a little bit more because just played out of his mind and he's still playing good, but he's not playing you know, at a heart trophy level, right? So they need to tighten it up a little bit. I, I, don't get me wrong. They have turned it around compared to where they were two months ago. Yep. So let's not let's not beat them down too much here. They're a playoff team. They're, they are playing better hockey. And the Leafs are a great hockey team too. The mm -hmm. Leafs are, are a very good hockey team and they don't get enough credit sometimes. Maybe it's because of the media. Maybe it's the market. But the Leafs are a really good hockey team this year. I mean, I saw a stat last night. Austin Matthews is leading the, uh, the forwards in, in block shots this year. So guys are buying in. Nylander's having his best year. Marner's having his best year. Mark Giordano has, mm -hmm. you know, even though even though Kako made him look silly last night, Mark Giordano's reinvented the wheel on the back end. Uh, Morgan Riley's going to – he's coming. He's slumping a little bit. But the Rangers, yes, they play a little loose. Do they need to tighten it up a little bit coming into the playoff push? I believe so. But overall, to take a point in Toronto, yeah, we'll take, take a point. We'll take a point. We'll take a point against a team that's ahead of you in the standings any day. Do you like the playoff structure? I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Mm -hmm. I think that what they tried to do was to try to get those, you know, Montreal Toronto matchups or the the, the the Atlantic division matchups. There's some there's some matchups I like, but it's becoming too stale now. I think what you're seeing is, especially you look at the Atlantic division, you got, you know, Boston, Toronto, Tampa. Uh, you got three teams there that it seems like every year now are playing each other. Mm -hmm. And the Metropolitan is weaker. I think there's more depth in the Metropolitan, but overall the cream of the Eastern conference is in the Atlantic. And that's been happening for the last couple of years. Maybe that will be a switch, you know, 
At one point, it was the Metropolitan a few years ago, but it's just the matchups now, I think, are getting too stale. And I like one to eight. I feel like if you finish one, you should play eight. Like, why finish one and have to play a team that was four points behind you in the standings? Like, right. that is unfair to a team that worked their ass off all year to finish one or two. Like, Leafs are going to play Tampa this year, and I don't think the Leafs should be playing Tampa, and I don't think Tampa should be playing the Leafs. So I think that what they tried to do a few years ago was good, but I think it's coming stale and, and more, more people are not liking it. So I think there's more, more eyes on it this year. It's becoming more of an issue. So I think it's something they have to look at again. Does any team in the Metro fear you as a Ranger fan? Uh, the Rangers don't play good against Pittsburgh, even though they won that series last year. Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh should have won that series. Crosby gets hurt, you know, they're on their third string goalie. You know, the Rangers don't play good against Pittsburgh. Um, I would say Carolina is a good hockey team. The one thing about Carolina is the Rangers have more star power in the sense they do have guys that can put mm -hmm. the puck there. Carolina would be such a fun team to coach because every like everyone buys in, everyone's bought into Brindamore. But the one thing they are missing is they're missing an absolute superstar. I think Ajo is an awesome player. I think. He's a star, but I don't think he's a superstar. And right. I think they just, they have a really good team, but they, they still need that one guy that you can throw on the ice and say, go get me one. Um, they don't scare me that much though, to be honest with you for the Rangers, uh, Washington. I don't know if they sneak in, uh, the Islanders, the Rangers don't play good against the Islanders. Um, Metro. No, uh, that being said, I think any one of those teams can come out of the Metro. I don't think there's a heavy favorite in the Metro division. Right. Uh, what scares me is is matching up with someone from from the Atlantic. But at least if you get match up with someone from the Atlantic, that probably means you at least won one or two rounds. So yeah. I think the Rangers have as good a shot as anyone in the Metro. I don't think there's a team that's uh, that's head and shoulders above everyone else. No, I agreed there. What did you make of your Patriots hiring Bill O'Brien as the new offensive coordinator? Well, something had to be done. I mean, we saw their offense this year. It was stagnant. Stagnant's yeah. a nice way to, to say it. It was absolutely god-awful. I think I could have ran a better offense, and I have no idea how to run an off football <laughs> offense at all. Um, but their offense was terrible, and they had some success under Brian. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they had – whether a lot of it was the Brady factor, I'm not sure. Uh, but they did have success under him. Uh, he's familiar with – with Belichick, he's familiar with, you know, the culture they have there. Mac too. Mac, I think he's a good coach. I I, I do think he's a good coach. I think he kind of got shafted a bit in Houston. Um, yeah. That's a mess of an organization to say the least. If they just didn't make him GM, he could have still been the coach. Like he was having a lot of success there. Yeah, I think they tried to, to he was wearing too many hats when yes. he was there. So I don't, I don't hate the hire at all. I, I actually kind of like it. I, I'm more curious to see what they do here at the draft and the off season because there are moves that have to be made. But one thing you do see coaching makes a difference. I think I talked about it the last time I was on here, look at the Jacksonville Jaguars and I don't want to beat up on urban Meyer. He's probably out having a good time at a bar here tonight anyway, but uh, <laughs> coaching makes a difference. And that's one thing that I think a lot of people forget that, even though players make it to the highest level, they still need to be coached. They still need coaching. They still need to learn. 
they're still learning. Just because you get to the highest level doesn't mean that you stop learning. You mm-hmm. need people that you trust and you need people that you have good relationships with and you need someone that you can be like, hey, I don't know this, show me what to do. Like that's okay to ask for help. But I think sometimes we, you know, it, we think that, oh, just because they're at the highest level doesn't mean that they don't need the coaching. No, they need the coaching even more than they want the coaching. That's the thing. When you get to the highest level, players make it far because they listen to coaches and they, and they want coaching, you know, right. you look at, you know, why is a kid not making Adam a, a peewee triple a team compared to a, a peewee double a team? Well, maybe it's because that they can't be coached or they're not very coachable, right? Coachability players make it to the highest level because a lot of them are very good at being coached and they want coaching. So I like the hire and we've seen it work. We see what the changes in Jacksonville, hopefully mm-hmm. this hire in the offensive coordinator for Bill O'Brien leads to more, you know, coaching in the Patriots. I agree. And I think they need to get at least two wide receivers in draft slash free agency because they can't run it back with the same guys they had last year. Well, th- well, that's the other thing too, right? It, yes, you need the coaching, but you also need the bodies, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, doesn't matter if you have the best coach in the world behind the bench, you know, you look out and you just don't have the bodies. Like we're not beating that team, no matter what I do. Right. right. I, right. We've been, you know, you're all, we've been in that situation a couple of times, you know, this year with our team where we've just been punching out of our weight class where we've played a team where it's, you know, let's try and keep it within two and that's okay. You know, it's okay to admit that we're just not as good as those guys. Right. And with the Patriots, they need wide receivers. They, it's shown that they cannot throw the ball downfield. And I have been very critical of Mac Jones this year saying he doesn't throw the ball downfield. Now, if they can get a couple wide receivers now, let's see it. Right. Right. Let's, let's improve the offense. We got a new offensive coordinator. Let's maybe draft a wide receiver in the first round. I mean, mm-hmm. let's not take a safety the, the, that we could get in the third round. Let's maybe take wide receiver here. Right. right. Uh, and then let's see what we can do. I mean, you've seen that wide receivers are really starting to pay off for teams. I know what we were hard on, to my, on, on Chase there a couple of years ago. You know, tip or cap to him. Yeah. But Justin Jefferson, a good number one wide receiver does make a difference on a team. We're seeing that even yeah. more so the last couple of years in the NFL. So let's draft a wide receiver. Let's, let's, you know, sign a wide receiver and let's improve the offense so we can see what our quarterback can do. Yeah. Uh, right with you there. Aaron Rodgers, ESPN can't stop talking about him every day. It's Aaron Rodgers, this Aaron Rodgers, that is this smoke and mirrors again? Is he not leaving green Bay? Is he going to be back in green Bay next July. Hmm. I think so. I just don't see like, I think he loves the, he loves the circus, right? He loves being in the mix, right? He loves his name being out there. Yeah. I think it's all smoke and mirrors. I think that he loves that build up. He loves that. You know, there's some guys that love the limelight. There's some that don't, you know, Mike Trout, if Mike Trout loved the limelight, Mike Trout would not be playing for the Los Angeles angels right now. Right. Mike Trout probably would have won a World Series championship with the Yankees or or the or the Dodgers or the Astros or if Mike Trout wanted to be out, he would be out. Mike Trout just loves playing baseball. And sometimes okay. people get mad at him saying, Why don't you want to trade? That guy just loves playing baseball, right? Some guys just love 
playing the sport and not loving the limelight. Others love the fact that they're a star athlete and yeah. he's one of them. And whether you, you love it or you hate it, he loves being in the center of attention. I don't think he's going anywhere. I can't see it. I, I, if you're green Bay, you know, I don't think you have much behind Jordan love. Hasn't showed me enough. Um, right. If you're the only thing that could green Bay could do is just blow it up, right? Blow it up and, and, and just full on rebuild for a couple of years. But I don't think he's going anywhere. I can't see it. I mean, he hasn't gone. If he was going to go somewhere, he would have went last year. Do, do you think he would entertain the jets? Well, I see that they just hired Nathaniel Hackett there as their, yeah. which you know what? Good for him. Honestly, I think that yeah, I'm happy you got a job too. I'm, I'm happy you got a job. Now let's see if their offense improves. Right now, now you're now you have to go out and be a good coach. You know, like you right. got another job, go do your job. Right. I think some of the fault in in Denver was his. I don't think I don't think much of it was though. I, he's got some fault to blame. I think that there's a lot to blame with Denver yeah. this year. Right. So for him, for. I mean, for the Jets, they do have some pieces in there, right? They're, it seems to yeah. be getting better. I mean, the Jets do need a better quarterback. Let's not pretend that they don't, right? <laughs> for the Jets, it, it it would make sense to bring in someone who's better than what they have now. Just yeah. from an organizational standpoint, and you look what you have on the field, you want a better quarterback. Mm -hmm. um, so if, if the Jets could get him, like, yes, it would make sense to get a better quarterback, but – do I think that he ends up there? No, I think he stays exactly where he's at. Yeah, I do too. You find it funny that nobody's been hired as a head coach yet in the five vacancies? It's been a while, Ryder. It's been like three weeks. Yeah, it is surprising. Normally you see quicker turnarounds in the NFL where it's within yeah. days. Um, I, I think There's that, no obvious guys other than Sean Payton. That's one yeah, thing. And, and Sean Payton isn't in a rush either. If he no. wasn't a rush, he'd have a job by now. Um, I think that a lot of organizations are seeing that they've made mistakes with hires over the last few years. So I don't yeah. think anyone's in too big of rush to make a hire. I think that, like you said, there's not a lot of great candidates out there. And not saying there's not a lot. Of, that's that's I take that back. That's not fair. There's a lot of guys who could be and females too who could be very good coaches in the NFL. Right. But I think that there's a little bit of hesitation because there's been a lot of turnover in the last couple of years of guys that are sitting around at home getting paid a lot of money to, to watch TV, right? So right. I think that there's there's no rush right now. And I think a lot of chips will fall once Peyton takes a job somewhere. Do you think he will? Or do you think he's going back to Fox? I don't know, man. He's getting paid a lot of money. I, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes guys, like there's, there's coaches that are lifers that just want to keep on coaching. And there's other guys that, you know, have coached and that's they're that's done. That's their part of life is over. And it's okay to not want to get back into it because it's a grind. It's a, it's a much harder grind than it is to be an analyst. Like right. yeah. nothing against analysts. I think they work really hard. I think I know analysts spend a lot of time working, but I guarantee that Sean Payton would have to work a lot harder with a new NFL team than the job he's currently doing as an analyst. So some people just don't want to do that. And he's yeah. still getting paid a lot of money. He's kind of, right. he's, he doesn't need the money. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I do see him going back to the NFL. I think, you know, one thing about coaching and when you coach, like, like 
I love to coach like guys that coach love to coach. So, so it's hard not to want to keep coaching. So do I think he goes back? Yes. But I, I don't think he's in any hurry. He's waiting for the, for the, the right opportunity for him, his family. And what's the rush when you know, you're the best candidate out there. You don't rush. Right. I think he wanted that LA job and he saw the collapse by the chargers. And I think he thought they were going to fire Staley because I think he wants to work with Herbert. And plus, you get to stay in L.A. Because I think clearly he's loving it, working for Fox, living in L.A. I mean, it's hard, great weather and, and everything else. And you look around, and that Denver job, Russell Wilson, no cap space. You have to trade a draft pick to to get him. So that hurts Houston, maybe, I guess. But they don't get a quarterback to draft one, try to mold him. Carolina, same thing. So it might just be the circumstance of, there's not a great location for me to have a ton of success year one in, in any of these five locations. And coaches and players, anyone at the end of the day, winning is always funner than losing. Yes. You leave that. We, we had a, we had a, we played New Hampshire this past weekend with our, with our prep school team. We had two really good games. We were, we won two very close games. Uh, and then we absolutely had a stinker Saturday night lost. Um, and it was, it was bad. It was a bad loss. It's probably our worst performance of the year. And we go out, we, you know, talk to the boys, we go out Sunday, you know, yes, boys, we lost the game. Let's turn around, go out. Let's get a win on Sunday, right. Saturday, whatever day it was. And we go out and get, and we get a two, one hard fought win scored late and won in overtime. Winning feels better than losing the drive home from New Hampshire home was a lot better because we right. went three and one instead of two and two and coaches at the end of the day, like I, I played on a junior team where we were 13 and one. And then I got traded to a team that was one and 13. And we, when I was there, we lost 16 games in a row Oof. and it was tough. It was hard. And, and losing sucks. And when you are used to winning, losing is even worse. Right. So, why do you want to go to somewhere where you know you're going to lose when you're used to winning? If you're used to losing, then it's a little bit easier to swallow to go to a place that you know you're going to lose. Right. But when you have a record of being a winning coach and you're used to winning, it's hard to go to a spot where you know you're going to lose a little bit more than you're going to win. If you don't have to, like, that's the thing. It's not like he needs the job. Like, yeah. If, if, if let's say I got fired tomorrow and I need to get a, get a job and I got called by a junior A team and they, they were a, a, a struggling team and I needed, needed a job to pay the bills. Then it's like, okay, that's great. Let's see if we can turn this thing around. I mm -hmm. love the opportunity to do so. Well, you know, but if you, if you don't need the job, then you don't really need to go. Right. right. It's, it's, right. it's like anything in life, right? If, if you get fired, not just coaching, if you get, you know, if, if, if you don't need the job, then why to go to somewhere where you know, it's going to be probably harder and more mentally taxing than going to a different job. Right. It's that's yeah. just, life. yeah. If you sell your business, you don't got to go into another field if you don't want to, because you sold your business and you made enough money to live comfortably. You know, you see a lot yeah, of and you can look for a job that fits your lifestyle. Right. Yeah. I, I think he takes a job too. I'm just not sure it's going to be this, this year. I find that interesting.
what's the rush? Why wait? You know, why wait? If you know, it's not like if he waits a year, then people are going to forget about him. Like he's still going to be a desirable candidate in two or three years. Agreed. And if you stay on TV, you stay relevant. Exactly. You stay, you stay in the mix. Look at Rick Tockett, right? Like, right. Right. And, you know, he just got a job from honestly, like if I think if he's not with TNT, he probably doesn't get that job. I don't think so either because he, he wouldn't think of him. You see no. him on TV and he, he does a lot of interviews too prior to getting this job. So that, yeah, I, I agreed. T uh, Tom Brady playing next year. Well, why not? Honest, like, like if after everything that happened with him last year, mm -hmm. like, you know, he's, you know, he's single, like take the, you know, the personal side, like he's not dealing. I'm sure there's less drama at the house. Mm -hmm. Um, like the guy at, we've seen what we've seen from Tom Brady is the guy just loves playing football. We talk about lifers. I think he just is a lifer of football. That's what he's grown up in. That's what he loved. That that's his thing. He, he loves playing football. So I think he's going to play football until he can't play football anymore. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's even, if it hurts, even if it hurts his legacy, let's say he goes out and, and people are saying, Oh, maybe it, it's going to hurt his legacy, but if the guy just want to play play football and he doesn't care about his legacy, because that's the other thing. Some people care about, you know, their legacy and others don't. Others just, you know, just love playing, right? Like, well, like you can't take the seven Super Bowls away. No, like, like take, you know, last night I went out and played men's league at 10 o'clock at night. And, and I was a much better hockey player at 21, 22 than I am at 28. Like, I get on the ice maybe – you know, to actually play hockey, I, I'm on the ice all, all the time, but actually play hockey, I play hockey probably once every three weeks. Right. And, and do, do, if I, if I, do, if I got on there and thought I was going to be a better player than I was at 21, <laughs> it's just not happening anymore. Right. But I still love playing the game. And that's why you see people, you know, old timers leagues are still going and men's league guys play you no know, men's leagues till they're 75 years old or nooners because mm -hmm. they just love playing the game. And, do I wish someone watched? Like I, I talked to my girlfriend about this the other day. I said, I, I wish you, you know, I wish you would have seen me when I was actually a little bit better of a hockey player because I'm not that anymore. Like that's that part of my life is over, and right. you're never going to know that, and that that's okay. Uh, but if, if I wanted it to be, you know, you know, when you're, you know, at your at your prime of your whatever it is, whether it's junior, you know, East Coast, AHL, NHL, or any sport, you know, you. Some people want to be only remembered for their best right. and other people just love playing the sport. Cause that's what they grew up doing. And, and they love playing the sport and people, you know, if it seems like Brady just loves playing football and he's going to keep on playing football and he's getting paid a hell of a lot of money to do it. So why not? Yeah. What would you do if you're the giants with Danny dimes? Oh, that's a tough one. That's, that's a tough one because I think that they have the right coach in place. Mm-hmm. I think that the culture has completely changed. I think the fan base is for the first time in a while, I think is kind of behind the team. Yeah, they can believe in them. Yeah. They believe in the team. They believe in what they're doing there. He what we see though, I think we've it's we've seen it this year is if you don't have one of the top four or five or six quarterbacks, mm -hmm. you're not winning. Like right. other unless than, you're San Francisco. Unless you're San Francisco. Don't get me wrong. They're they're there, there are anomalies, right? But, yeah. but I think it's shown this year you need a top guy. Yeah, and it's kind of goes back to the Dallas thing too. Like, do you think 
Dak Prescott is going to get you a Super Bowl. Like he might get you the playoffs every year, but you might get out in the first round every year too, right? So I don't know what they do there. I don't know. I, I think that they keep them because we've seen there's not a lot else out there that's better. Right. Like, so I think they keep them. I, I, I just, I don't love, I don't love him as a quarterback. I think that he's just too unpredictable as you don't know what you're going to get from him. And sometimes the best thing about coaching is knowing what you're going to get. Right. Yeah. Pocket passers. You knew what you're going to get. They just, you know, Ben, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, what you're going to get Philip rivers for better or for worse. You knew what you're going to get. He'd give you a chance to win every year. What do you think of the thought of neutral site AFC slash NFC championship games moving forward? Well, I hate it, but it, we, it's going to happen. I hate it so too. It's only, it's only a matter of time, unfortunately, that it's going to happen. It's a business, right? And as much as, as much as we want to say it isn't a business, it's a business, right? So there's a lot more money to be made to have both both AFC and NFC championship games in the same spot, do one on Saturday, one on Sunday, turn it into a mini Super Bowl. You can make a lot of money that way. Mm-hmm. And they're going to sell out regardless. It's not like if you do it, half the people aren't going to go. It's going to sell out. So it sucks because I think it is going to happen. It sucks if you're a team that had an awesome year and, and really deserve to host that host that game. Right. It's it's. I think it's inevitable. Do you think they have to go back to two buys if they do this? Um, because it makes the, the number one seed, you don't get that much of an advantage. Yeah, I, I haven't thought about that. Uh, I think that you still need to find a way to make it relevant for winning in the regular season. Yes. And I think that's the issue we talked about earlier with the NHL, where that's not the case right now, where you're not getting rewarded for winning. and. Right. It's a grind. It's a grind to be a winning team. It, it takes a lot to win. It's easy to lose. It's very easy to lose. It's not easy to win. Winning is hard. And winning over a span of time is even harder. It's it's a lot easier to go out and win one game than it is to go out and win 13 or 14 games in the NFL. So I think that they need to find a way to make it still be rewarding and still have the the advantage because if you win you should have an advantage going into a a playoff round or or a game or whatever it may be you should not be equal for being you know a team going 8 wins to a team going 14 wins it should be right. harder for the team with 8 wins to beat the team with 14 wins right because you weren't as good as them as them in the regular season like it it to me they're lo- I think sports is losing that a little bit. That plus, plus, if you're say you're Minnesota and you make the championship game and you're going to play Philly, you get an advantage if the game's in Atlanta because it's a dome and you play in a dome. There's no there's no conditions. You 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 actually get an edge for being a worse team than you know say you played the Eagles who were first in the in the conference. No, yeah, I, I agree. Unfortunately, I think that it is shifting the way of the neutral site games. Hope. Hopefully not for a while, but I think within the next five to 10 years. Yeah, that's gonna- I, I agree. Games this weekend. We got San Francisco, Philly, Cincinnati at KC. San Francisco 
is a two and a half point underdog against Philadelphia. I think this is going to be a great game. What do you make of the spread? I think the spread is pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't have a. I haven't. In fairness, I haven't done a lot of you know that pre you know pre research into putting a bet in. I haven't looked at it at all. Uh, I, I'm sure I'll be looking at it here over the next couple of days. But uh, it's going to be a great game. I think you get yep. the two best teams in the NFC playing in the NFC Championship, and that's what you want. Yes. Um, I think that San Francisco, their playmaking ability is really, really good. I think it's probably some of the best we've seen in the last, I'd say, probably since I've been watching football, is right. that you can put in a, you can just plug a guy in who you know, Mr. Irrelevant, and they're still getting the job done. You know, tip of the cap to him that he's doing what he's doing. He's mm-hmm. playing really well. But that being said, they have a lot of good pieces around. Absolutely. Like, it makes it a lot easier to be a goaltender when you have two, let's say, five of the top players in the league playing in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, the shots are probably aren't – you're probably not going to see as many breakaways and two-on-ones. Right. right, you probably get a lot of shots from the outside. So, I think that their 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 playmaking and their the coaching and the players they have in position makes it a lot easier for them. I think Philly's defense is really really good. I think we yes. saw that last week. They're an elite defense. I think that Philly is probably going to win the game just mm-hmm. because I think that they have had a better team throughout the year. I think that. They honestly, I, I think they're gonna win just because I think Jalen Hurts is better than Brock Purdy. Like, right, I think right. you know, that's at the start of the year. If you would have told me, do you want Jalen Hurts or do you want Brock Purdy? I'm taking Jalen Hurts. Yes, um, I think the Eagles win, find a way to win this game. Yeah, I'm leaning that way too. I think it's gonna be low scoring because I think both defenses are really, really good. So, this might be, and both offensive lines are great in their own right. I mean, Jason Kelsey, got Trent Williams, but I, I, I agree with you. Brock Purdy has th- had some throws in the past couple of games where there should have been interceptions, but they dropped them for whatever reason. Trayvon Diggs had an easy interception. He dropped it in the, in the past game. He he's due for a, for a stinker. And we might see that this week in, in Philly, he's on the road for the first time in the playoffs in a really loud environment. So I'm leaning with you with, with the Eagles how about in the second game, Cincinnati visiting Kansas City? Kansas City is a home dog as of right now with the line. Mahomes is at practice for that's worth for what that's worth with a high ankle sprain. What do you make of this game? Two awesome football games this weekend. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. On paper, two awesome games. Yeah. I love the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> I I just I just love and I just after what happened last year, and this is you, you shouldn't you shouldn't look at off the field antics, but the whole Patrick Mahomes brother and girlfriend thing just yeah. really gave me a sour taste in in Kansas City. I right. just and that's 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 not fair for me to say because it's nothing to do with the team, <laughs> but it's it's I just can't find a way to 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 I just love what the Cincinnati Bengals have done this year and the fact that they started slow Mm. and they found their groove and they don't have the sexiest team. 
You know, they mm -hmm. just, but they play with swagger. They play the game the right way. They are, you know, they're never going to get as much credit as they should because they're in a small market. Right. And I guess you could say Kansas City is a small market too, but I, I just think the Cincinnati Bengals have their number. And sometimes you play teams that have your number. Like, for instance, I'll bring it back to, to our prep school team. Mm -hmm. We have a team that I know we are better than. We are a much better team than them. We should, on paper, beat them by three or four goals, and we have a losing record against them. And I can't – we can't figure out why. We just – they have our number. We outshoot them, we outplay them, and they beat us. And right. it's just – it's frustrating. But on the other hand, we play a team that is – you know, and no, no disrespect to our players because we get a lot of good hockey players on our team. We play a team that they should beat us by three or four goals. Mm -hmm. And we have beaten them more than they beat us. And it shouldn't be the case. But right. we just have their number. And even their coach say, he goes, I don't know. You guys just have our number. And sometimes in sports, weird things happen. You know, you look at the Leafs can't win in Arizona. Why can the Toronto Maple Leafs right. not win in Arizona? Like, what, right. what the hell, right? But Cincinnati just seems to have their number. So I think Cincinnati is going to win this football game just for the sole fact that they have, they are in their head. And when someone's in your head, you know, Cincinnati is living rent free in their head. And right. it's hard to get someone out of your head when they're living rent free in your head. And Joe Burrow is so confident. It's just hard to bet against him. Like he's just, oh, he's, he's you, so you much keep, swagger. You keep your, 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 your girlfriend, your wife, your significant other, your mother, <laughs> whatever it is, you keep them away from that guy because he is one sly dog. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Plus, the injury to Mahomes, I don't know how how mobile he's going to be. Because that's a high ankle sprain to three to four week injury at, at the very least. It can sometimes be longer. Yeah. And one thing about Patrick Mahomes is he is best when he is unpredictable. Yes. And right now, he is going to be a little bit more predictable than normal. So, mm -hmm. if you know, this guy can't run. We, I don't think we've ever seen Mahomes just stand in the pocket and throw the right. whole game. And we're probably going to have to see that. And I don't think their run game is very good. I think that their run game is okay. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's great. Uh, and they're going to have to use the run game a little bit more than I think they were hoping to use. And I don't think it's going to be good enough. Cincinnati gets, gets the back-to-back -back Super Bowls. Is, are we talking Joe Burrow is the, the best quarterback in football? I don't see how you can't because is he, like we talked about earlier, winning matters. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, winning matters. And whether or not there are awesome players that never win, that are great players, that are better than players that win. Right. But Winning matters. And for him to get to two back-to-back -back Super Bowls, if he if they are to win this game, you have to say he's one of the best quarterbacks because analytics is one thing, but winning is very important too. I know I'm saying that word a lot today, winning, winning, winning. I'll say it even more, but it's so true that you need to win football games and he finds a way to win football games. And so, there's something different about winning in Cincinnati too. Like it's a little yeah. small Cincinnati. Yeah, it's great. Like they, I love that they – have that where they win and they bring the game ball to a local bar. Like mm -hmm. that is a great story that every time they win, they bring a, they bring a game game ball to a local pub. 
Like that, that is small. That's buying into knowing where you are as a team, where you're located and who your fan base is and supporting your fan base. And when your fan, it's funny, when your fan base supports you, you go out and play better. Like right. when you hear a lot of noise around a team, look at Vancouver right now, right? Like look at what they just went through the last week. When, when, when it's noisy for the wrong reasons with the fan base, it does weigh on players. Like they're people. Right. But when you know your fan base is cheering for you and loves you, like you want to go out and succeed for them. It gives you that little bit extra motivation. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I agree with you about the NFL this weekend. I think it's going to be awesome. The two games. The only sad thing is that it's coming to an end so, mm. so quick, so quickly. But we do got March the Madness, March Madness is coming right up. Madness. We got the XFL as well. XFL is coming back, right? Or the Rock, start the I, league. Yeah, let's see. Let's see what happens there. Uh, let's let's see what it looks like. Have you been tracking the uh, the Australian Open? A bit, not as much as I, I should be. Uh, I know there's a there's a mixed doubles tonight. I might watch there. The the Australian's tough just with the time change. Yeah, it's just it's 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 a tough event to get into just because of the time change. Um, I am gonna get into it a bit this weekend. Um, but for me, tennis for me, I. I I struggle to get into tennis until I get into the summer. Right. And I really do. Wimbledon's the thing for you. Yeah. I, for me, like the, the, the hard court season and tennis in July, August, that's kind of where mm -hmm. I, 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 there's just too much going on right now. Like, right. You no, know, I, it's not that I, I don't want to watch it. It's just, you know, if I have to choose between tennis and football, I'm sorry, I'm watching football. Yeah. Football, but, golf's great right now too. The stretch with Tory Pines and Riv and, and obviously and, and the, live stuff, the live stuff, and I love it. Let's let's get those guys mixing it up. I want to see some. I want to see two guys square up. I would love to see it. Right. Yes. You, Patrick Reed versus Rory. You think anything happens at the Masters, or do they do? Is that like a kind of everyone talks to them beforehand and says, if you do anything stupid, you're 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 banned. Probably, but Patrick Reed is so dumb, he might just go past that stop sign. But he might look at Rory and be like, hey, you should try to get a green jacket or something like that, you know, and that could spark something. Oh, it's – it's he's just so oblivious. Like, yeah. I, use, I use this, you know, I was – I was – my first year with champions, I was coaching a U9 Winter League team, U9. And I rolled the benches the whole weekend because – it's U9. Right. U9 hockey. I rolled the benches the whole weekend. And I had a, a parent call me on Christmas Eve after the tournament to tell me that their kid didn't get enough ice time. Eight years old. And I rolled the benches the whole weekend. Right. And you got to be some of oblivious to call someone on Christmas Eve and, you know, wait till Boxing Day. Like, right. you know, like, in fairness to him, there was no college, no college football on, so there's nothing to watch. So maybe, yeah, true. Make it yeah, but nonetheless, like you got to be some oblivious to that. And Patrick Reed just seems like the most oblivious guy in the world. Yeah, no, he's a piece of work. Uh, him flicking that tee at Rory the other day, like that's so disrespectful. But like, if you know someone doesn't like you, just don't okay. go near them. Just don't go near them. Like you can be in the same spot as someone right and just not have to talk to them like that's yeah. okay like you it's don't very have easy to, actually you just don't you go near them you don't go near them like you don't listen there's i like a lot of people there's not too many people i don't like but right. if there's someone i don't like and someone that doesn't like me it's okay just not to talk yeah. to them 
Like that's absolutely yes. Like like you going over there is just to to put on a show. That's all that is. Yeah, you're being a hot dog and you're and you're just starting shit for for no reason. What's I know you're off this weekend. You just mentioned uh, the tournament in Montreal. What's on then? What's on deck next couple weeks for champions? Yeah, so it uh, it picks up again. Where right now it's um, I'm pretty busy with getting spring hockey out. Uh, as you know, your right. your sister's coaching one of our coaching our U nine U nine Red Hornets. So looking forward mm. to uh, having Tally work with those girls. But uh, really busy getting spring hockey up and going. Um, with our prep school team next weekend, we're actually at home in a tournament, high school tournament, which we're really nice. looking forward to. And then we're off to actually off to Montreal again. And then actually after that, we it's Canada Games where we have six players uh, away at Canada Games. Uh, really excited and happy for those players to you know participate and represent their provinces. So probably uh, scoot over there and watch some games on the island. And uh, and then after that, we got a couple more couple playoff tournaments to finish off in March, and then the season kind of comes to an end. So it's it's pretty crazy how fast it goes by. Like just it's looking. Not- Looking back there yesterday, I was looking at where I've been in the last three months, and I've been all over, you know, eastern side of North America. But it, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like the boys just showed up a month ago. But it's uh, it's it's been busy, but it's been exciting at the same time. And uh, and looking forward to uh, to spending some much needed time with some some buddies this weekend and my girlfriend and uh, and watching some football and. Uh, kind of getting rejuvenated and and ready to go for for our tournament next weekend do you play next friday next friday night five o'clock lbr so okay i might i might be there yeah we're playing against leo hayes so uh should be a really should be a really good game and uh and uh yeah no so let me know i'd like to see your your team play so uh, i might be in attendance for that game yeah, I mean, buddy, I'd love to love to have you there. More the more the merrier. I think it should be a good atmosphere with two local teams and in a small barn like the LBR. There should be a pretty good atmosphere there. So uh, we're really looking forward to it, buddy. And uh, enjoy your weekend. And thanks for the birthday the birthday shout out. And uh, we'll be we'll be talking here. I'm sh- I'm sure we'll be sending some messages this weekend back and forth. Absolutely. Take care and uh, happy birthday again, my friend. Thanks, buddy. Have a good one. There's Matt Wright, everybody. Great to chat with him. The great coach uh, at Champions does great work with them. And just a really, really hardworking guy. So good for him to have an off weekend. And uh, best of luck to to, uh, his team next Friday uh, in Fredericton. And I might be in attendance going up to watch my sister that weekend. So if they don't play Friday, it might be a good time to pop in and see See the see the champions team play and watch my friend coach. Sounds like a good little good little Friday night for yours truly. Tomorrow, what's on tap? Recap some NHL games tonight. Want to get into some NBA tomorrow? We'll get into more of the NFL as well. Previewing the games uh, this weekend, so we'll get into that tomorrow certainly because it is Friday already. Talk about the leaderboard at the Farmers Insurance Open down at Torrey Pines. We'll talk. We'll talk about that tomorrow. So lots happening on the show tomorrow afternoon. Until then, have a great night, everybody. Take care. Enjoy the rain. Just to the point.